0: Good evening, I'm Gerald Owens.
1: And I'm Deborah Morgan. Thank you for joining us. This half hour, we find out why some of the top experts in the country put North Carolina in the red. And what about the promising news with the development of a ma- vaccine? Would you take one if you could by the end of the year? If you're reluctant, you are not alone.
0: This half hour, we are also talking about the return of entertainment. A group called NC Live is working to make it a smoother transition. David Crabtree will speak with one of the leaders about concerts, comedies, and musicals and how they may look in the months ahead. And new mental health numbers are in, and from a lack of sleep to anxiety and stress, a local therapist joins us live to share how this pandemic is affecting children and adults in our area.
1: Tonight, we start with what we know about phase two. The official announcement is not expected to come until the governor's news conference tomorrow. However, late today, we learned the North Carolina Restaurant Association told its members to plan for the next phase of reopening on Friday. WRAL's Mark Boyle is in the live center with those details and the numbers driving the state's progress. Mark?
2: DEBORAH, GOOD EVENING. THE RESTAURANT ASSOCIATION PROVIDED THIS ADVANCED COPY TO US. IT'S SIX PAGES LONG. YOU HAVE REQUIREMENTS AND THEN YOU HAVE RECOMMENDATIONS. HERE ARE SOME OF THE KEY TAKEAWAYS HERE IN THAT FORM. ALLOWING NO MORE THAN SIX PEOPLE AT A TABLE. TRYING TO KEEP THAT TO A FAMILY SITUATION. USING DISPOSABLE MENUS AND DISPOSABLE LINENS. THAT WILL BE SOMETHING YOU LIKELY WILL SEE. AND EMPLOYEES AND CUSTOMERS ARE GOING TO BE ASKED TO WEAR FACE COVERINGS keeping in mind, all of this is going to be challenging to police. People will want to do one thing and maybe do another. We'll certainly see how that is ironed out of the next several hours going into tomorrow's press briefing. These numbers, the key metrics in all of this is playing key here as the state makes its decisions right now. The new laboratory confirmed cases. This continues to go up, folks, even though you uh, are seeing this dark blue dotted line here. The average, the state considers things to be all right, but facts are facts and numbers are going up. There are more tests out there. However, keeping that in mind, positive test results coming back. This is one of the best right here. 5% you see it only was at 5% of all tests coming back testing positive. This uh, dark blue dotted line, the average has maintained its level right there. Very low. Finally here this evening, the number of hospitalizations, the highest day that we've seen since they've recorded this 585 people in the hospital the yesterday number 511, the day before 493. So not major swings in any direction, but certainly numbers that we will keep an eye on as
0: the state's doing so as well. Back to you. Thank you, Mark. While state leaders say we are moving in the right direction, another group of health experts, including a Duke professor, say not so fast. They track similar numbers for each state and their information puts North Carolina in the red along with South Carolina, meaning the criteria for moving forward is not being met. Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia, they are in yellow, which means that they are making progress. WRL's Mandy Mitchell interprets the numbers.
3: It's called the COVID exit strategy, and it's an effort to track states as they make progress toward safely reopening.
0: I think this is an attempt to be a report card of where we stand. It is an attempt to take the the best advice that we seem to be getting from epidemiologists about the, the signals we should be watching.
3: Right now, North Carolina isn't getting a very good grade. The site uses red, yellow, and green to illustrate progress. North Carolina is currently one of the red states, meaning criteria set by the White House and others like the CDC hasn't been met yet.
4: North Carolina has been seeing a steady increase in the number of new cases which is concerning, and it basically should make the governor cautious about how to proceed.
3: North Carolina has seen a spike in cases recently, which has been attributed by state leaders to an increase in testing. But this data shows the state could benefit from even more testing.
4: What this indicates is that there are a lot of cases, right? Uh, to, to be able to reopen safely means that you really do have a strong testing infrastructure in place. And North Carolina has made a lot of progress in, in that sphere, but they still have a ways to go.
3: This data is not meant to predict the future, but serves as more of a real-time picture of where North Carolina stands and what needs improvement.
2: I think it's really helpful that we have more people trying to examine some of these signals and try to come to different
0: evaluations about how to move forward.
3: Mandy Mitchell, WRL News.
0: This is just some of the data that experts have to work with. Our team of data trackers also monitors the number of new cases, deaths, hospitalizations, and county-by-county breakdowns. Just search data trackers on WRL.com.
1: 24 hours after Moderna's president announced some pretty promising news in the race to find a vaccine for COVID-19, we are hearing mixed reactions. And it's not just about comfort, it's also about fear and concern. WREL's Leslie Moreno is joining us now live in Chapel Hill with more of this reaction and a possible explanation for it. Leslie?
4: That's right. And Deborah, I spoke to a professor here at the Carolina Population Center. He tells me there's always been a long history of concern when it comes to vaccines, but because there's such a rush to get a vaccine out, those fears and concerns may be intensified. The race to control the coronavirus continues.
5: A lot of companies are throwing every bit of effort they have at producing one fast.
4: According to the World Health Organization, more than 70 potential vaccines are currently being developed, all of which are at various stages of development.
5: I do think people, you know, will want to get the vaccine a little more than like a normal flu vaccine every year.
4: But some people are hesitant.
5: To me, it's just way too soon to trust anybody at this point.
4: Trenton Lassiter says he feels a vaccine is being rushed. He has concerns about long-term side effects and the amount of time in which the vaccine would be created. The
0: normal procedures aren't being followed as far as developing the vaccine compared to other viruses in the past because they're in such a, a tight time schedule.
4: Della Matter says these fears are very common, especially with such a new virus.
2: One is concerns about the
5: contents of the vaccine and what's in there and not wanting to have that be in in their body. And the other broad concern is kind of the the state or the nation's role.
4: According to the latest numbers, so far the virus has infected more than 4.5 million people across the world, killing over 300,000. The FDA has the ability to fast track vaccines, which would speed up the testing and approval process. But...
2: And a lot of things have to
5: go right before we can start vaccinating the population.
4: Now, according to the World Health Organization, if all goes well, researchers could have a vaccine as early as the end of 2021. Deborah,
1: hopefully it's sooner than that. Leslie Moreno live in Chapel Hill. Thanks, Leslie.
5: Well, concerts and shows might still be a little far out on your radar right now. However, that's not the case for people who work in the industry, because if all goes to plan, their green light could come in phase three, not two, but three. So the newly formed NC Live Coalition will help shape what this is going to look like. Among the statewide coalition, 18 of the venues saw more than 3 million guests for more than 2500 performances last year. Many of these are in Durham and Wake counties. in Durham we're talking about the Carolina Theater and Deepak Wake County Coastal Credit Music Park at Walnut Creek, the Duke Energy Center for Performing Arts, Coca Booth PNC Arena Red Hat. Joining us now is Carrie Painter, the director of the Raleigh Convention and Performing Arts Complex. Carrie, thanks for talking with us tonight. My pleasure. All right, NC Live, your coalition has a lot of work in front of it. What's the first couple of things you want to tackle?
6: Well, we have a lot to tackle. You know, um, there's two sides to the whole picture. The first is how do we make our guests and patrons safe? How do we make sure that the governor is um, taking us into account differently so that we are accommodated in the right way to keep everybody enjoying their night and healthy? The other half is how do we make the back house? How do we get people on stage and artists to perform and um, have it all match up and and produce a great show for the people?
5: You know, I've been trying to wrap my head around this because so many of us love to go, for example, to Deepak, see Hamilton, to see whatever it may be. You've got 2,200 people packed in that theater. So to put it out for six feet in each direction for each of us, what are we going to have? 400 people for a sellout possibly?
6: Yeah, it's a tough one. You're right. You know, not all shows can accommodate that decrease in attendance. Some it's much easier, you know, and we have the opportunity at the Duke Energy Center because there's four theaters within the building. So we can take an audience that would have been 160 and relocate them into the 780 seat theater and there's enough room to space out. But if you're going to take a full on concert to the PNC or Walnut Creek and try to cut that down to six feet, between, I mean, it's a tough one.
5: Yeah, I remember going to the uh, Paul McCartney concert last year and I'm thinking that 20,000 people at PNC Arena. I can't imagine that with 3,000 people, but that's and one of the reasons I can't imagine it is because performers, as you mentioned earlier, will tell you they feed off the audience. They love to perform. They love to hear that crowd coming back at them. Uh, Any of the performers at any level you have spoken with or your group has spoken with about how they might handle this?
6: You know, they do love the audience. You're right. And some of them just want to come back and they'll make a concert work because they want to be with their fans and they want to see it be great. Um, Some, we just can't quite figure out how we're going to do it. You know, the perfect example is how do two ballerinas dance together without touching each other? And what happens when a rock band wants to get up against each other and rip guitars and have a good time? um, It is the distancing on stage that's going to be the challenge to figure out. But they want to be there, and we want them to. We just have to find the safest way to do it.
5: Yeah, very quickly, we're only four, four and a half months away from the Bluegrass Festival. Brings thousands of people. We're a big part of that here at Capital Broadcasting. Is that one of the first major venues and events your coalition is taking a hard look at?
6: we are looking at that this coalition is not so much focused on festivals as the venues and the amphitheaters and the arenas but you know we in Raleigh are looking at bluegrass it's an important piece of our heritage and our our popular love of the city and so we need to figure that out we need to see what the governor comes out with in his phases three and if there's a four and if it includes festivals um and and see if it can be accomplished you know Sometimes you just have to to pause or to do the right thing. And the decisions have been painful in the past months, but we know it's
7: the thing to do.
5: Well, best of luck to you. Uh, Thank you for taking this on. In the meantime, we'll just continue to do our best in some way to listen to the music. Carrie Painter with the Raleigh
0: Convention and Performing (laughs) Arts Complex. Thank you
5: so much.
6: Thank you, have a good night.
0: Coming up, new numbers give us a better idea of the toll this pandemic is taking on our mental health. After the break, we'll talk with one of the local therapists with insight into this. As we hit the two-month mark with much of the country under some sort of lockdown or stay-at-home order, we're getting a better picture of the psychological toll the pandemic is having on adults and teenagers. Clinicians in 10 states, including North Carolina, took part in a survey. 65% reported significant increases in stress levels among adults. 67% reported higher anxiety in adults. Dr. Tina LePage with LePage Associates in Durham is one of the professionals involved in this research. She joins
1: us now live via Zoom tonight. Good evening Dr. LePage. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Anxiety and stress are just some of the themes mentioned in this research. What else are you seeing among adults and how are they dealing with it?
7: Well, we're seeing of course the anxiety, stress, some depression and some sense of cabin fever and really very chaotic lifestyle sometimes where the kids are home, the adults are home, and everybody's trying to work and do schoolwork in the same space.
0: Well, let's talk about teenagers and anxiety. A mixed bag with 23% of clinicians reporting more anxiety in teens, 31% have seen less. Now, clearly they're handling it differently than adults. Uh, now, as a father of two who are no longer teens, I remember those days, and they have their own agenda when it c- comes to pretty much everything. Is it just that they don't care about what's going on?
7: Uh, Well, I certainly think that our children and teenagers care a great deal about what's going on, but what we think is happening for children and teenagers in terms of seeing some of their anxiety actually go down, about a third of the clinicians saw anxiety and stress go down in children, is that a lot of their anxiety and stress comes from either social anxiety, which is seeing other people out and about at school, or academic anxiety from school. So they're getting a little bit of a respite
0: from those things. And what are some of the other trends that clinicians are reporting with teenagers?
7: Well, we do see some teenagers that are having depression or anxiety, but we also see teens who are um, able to communicate with friends as they're used to over uh, technology means, which is maybe a little bit more comfortable for them even than it is for us. Um, And we see, you know, teens are a mixed bag like everybody else. Some of them are very self-directed and staying in touch with their friends and things are going okay but other children and teenagers are struggling as well and missing their friends.
1: You know, just today we heard from Michael Phelps, who says this has been one of the toughest stretches of his life, and he encouraged those who may need help to get it. Many of them are frontline workers, likely dealing with the mental fatigue as well as the at-home stress. So how are you advising them?
7: Well, the things we tell people, probably three main things to keep in mind. One, if they could put some structure and routine Into their day that really helps because a lot of that seems to have gone out the window with people mixing all of you know everything they do at the same place in their house. Getting outdoors is a great help because you get movement and fresh air, and also it's a safer space to socialize if you socially distance. And then, of course, getting help from professionals if this really is feeling overwhelming. One of the great things about psychotherapy is it can be done online by video chat or you could perhaps go to your therapist's office if you're distancing and, and wearing masks, or outdoor therapy is also a wonderful thing. You could go for a walk with your therapist.
1: Boy, I know that has helped me tremendously, that fresh air, and until this week, the weather's been beautiful to do that, but yeah, getting outside has certainly
0: helped. Yeah. Dr. Tina LePage, we appreciate you being with us, and good luck with your work.
7: Thank you very much. All
0: right. Getting back to the field and the courts will look much different for high school athletics. Up next, Nick Stevens with WRAL's High School OT. Has reaction to the phased-in plan unveiled for schools across the country and what it means for our local athletes?
5: You're watching coverage you can count on with WRAL News.
1: But a bit of positive news today for high school athletes.
0: The national governing body released a set of guidelines today to help states develop their own plans. They recommend the start of lower-risk sports, which involve less direct contact, and phase in moderate-risk and higher-risk sports at the end, which includes football. WRL's Nick Stevens with High School OT says this doesn't mean teams won't practice over the summer.
2: Practice will start August 1st officially, but usually they're working all summer long, outdoors on seven on sevens, that kind of stuff. Uh, I can tell you right now, football coaches and teams and everybody, they're working remotely over Zoom, just like we're doing this interview right now, doing preparations, going through playbooks and all that kind of stuff. So the preparation's underway, they're just not out on the field or in the weight room like they normally would be.
0: And the limitations also have restrictions when it comes to working out and how that's done. It's also a phased approach. We'll have more on the very detailed outlines and recommendations on our website, WRAL.com. Remember, you can always get the latest news and information about coronavirus in our daily news brief. Available for a free download wherever you get your podcasts. That does it for our news at 7 o'clock.
1: Tonight at 10 on Fox 50 and 11 here on WRAL, the specific plans restaurants will have to follow in Phase 2 right here in North Carolina. Until then, have a great night. We'll see you soon.